Hello and welcome to Side Dish, a podcast about Longmont, all the stuff you want to know and very little that you need to know. I'm Eric Ozempa. And I'm Brady Steffel. Welcome in, Brady. And uh, how was your Thanksgiving? How was your How's your day going? How's my day going? Day's fine. Walk, just walk the dogs. Uh, that's nice because it's nice enough finally to walk the dogs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's cool. Thanksgiving was solid. We did a, a prime rib this year because I'm not going to cook a turkey for four, four people. Nice. That's wow, insane. Prime rib. Is that like a new thing or? Uh, I've done it before, but yeah. it's you know it's yeah. it's kind of nice when you have three four people to do a, like a, a little baby prime rib, not like the big monster <laughs> rack. <laughs> like half a rack. Yeah. Of like cow. cooking it. In the, no, I don't need that. Yeah. So we did that. We basically just made enough for one meal, and it turned out really good. And it was it was easy. We did Very like cool. Four things at dinner instead of. And I forgot to eat the cranberries. Oh, see, we did have the little can of cranberries, so that's cool. We had we bought one. I was like, we got to buy cranberries. And then Kelsey pulled it out uh, a couple days after. She's like, the cranberries are still here. I'm like, I'm still going to eat them. Just give me do a you spoon. like them cold or do you like them cold. room temperature? Yeah, it's yeah, cold. Yeah, you have to be in the fridge, right? Yeah. Cold yeah. is better. Room temperature, I'll eat it. I just like cranberries. <laughs> They're really good. You and my son, that's the only people that I know that like so, Well, how did yours go? It was good. We did turkey. Um, it was actually a really, really nice Thanksgiving. I had to go rescue my son up in Laramie. I had to go get him. Um, he doesn't have a 4 by 4 so oh, I went yeah. up there, and it was pretty bad up there. And um, But got him back safe, got him here and back safely, so he had to spend Thanksgiving by himself, so that was cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. Well, he's, he's a fairly young man. He might just want the space sometimes. Well, like, yeah, exactly. Away. That's kind of why. Yeah, but yeah, it was pretty cool to get him down here. All of his friends had left to yeah. go home for Thanksgiving, so he would have been like the sad guy, yeah. you know. At his house or whatever over my, college breaks. My roommate in college used to, uh, he'd pay the extra money or whatever because he'd stay for the week yeah, or two. Yeah. It's all closed. Yeah. And he would stay. <laughs> he'd tell me about what it was like when, it was like, it was, there's nobody here. Oh, there's nobody. It's yeah. insane. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we'd be in his dorm and he'd just hang out and play video games for like yeah. 12 oh. hours a day, yeah. 16 hours a day. No, my son is perfectly so content to do that too as well. But, yeah. you know, it was nice that we were able to see him for yeah, a while. It's cool. So it's cool. Yeah, good. Um, <clears throat> all right. Shall we do our buzz around town? Yeah. But before we get to that, I have to announce something really exciting. Uh-huh. We're going to have like uh, collectible stickers available pretty soon. So I ordered some stickers oh, from Sticker him. Giant. Yeah. Sticker Giant. Yeah. So a uh, so, local um, company here in town. That New sponsor for us, yeah, <laughs> and sponsored by Sticker Giant. No, not really. Um, and then we're up to 500 listens. Wow, amazing! My God, yeah. actually, people have people that me. we don't know are right. listening to our podcast, which is wild. Yeah, it is. It's crazy. Cool. I mean, people internationally, but it's really funny when you look at the stats, and we have access to stats, uh, Brady and I do, and it's really funny when you look at where the people are in the, in the United States, and it just cracks me up. It's yeah. like. Okay, so Newark, New Jersey, or somebody well, I, you in know, California. Like, or... I've wanted to do, um, we've probably talked about this, but I've wanted to do, uh, like, so I'm moving to Longmont style thing. Yeah. And yeah. I think there's a lot of people that are like, so I'm moving to the Front Range. And it's like, yeah, the Front Range has been inundated, uh, which we can see with all the, like, the reason we're doing this podcast is like the, the Front Range is blowing up. Yeah, it's crazy. And so uh, Longmont's blowing up. And so, yeah, there's people that are like, whoa, what's going on? And <laughs> hopefully they find this. All right, just shout in the void. That's right. It's not just going to the void. So anyway, buzz around town. Buzz around um, town. Right off, I want to lead off with the Times Building. You said you had some intel about the Times Building on yeah. Main Street. Yep. So I went and checked the the development log and the Times Building, which is at three thirty eight Main Street. It's going under a uh, change of use thing. Um, and so technically, this is under the review for development. But if you walk by the Times Building down there, it says like the Times Collaborative, and it's got sort of a kooky hand drawn sign. Yeah, it's sign. like some guy like went out there with spray paint in the middle yeah, like, of the night and basically yeah, like here's yeah. yeah here's what this building is in case you couldn't read the sign over the top. Um, so they're, they're in there working. It's ripped down to studs. Uh, I saw a couple guys in there working today. They didn't bother to stop and chat once in a while. Somebody would just come like, Hey, but we went and looked and it's currently a white brick building. And I think it's 338 and 336. 
two properties technically, and I so think they're going to be. Can you describe where that is, though? I mean, I can visualize it, but right. I can't visualize it. It's a pretty nondescript building. It's a super nondescript yeah. building. So if you're on, say we're third and main meet, and then you're going north, so you're going you know up up the hill, and you keep going. It's going to be on your right side, on the east side, and it's halfway up the block or whatever. And then there's one half of the building is white, and the other half of the building is black. And it looks sort of odd. Uh, and then there's a thing that says, I think, the Times building on the top, and there's the kooky sign that says the Times Collaborative on the other, on, yeah. in the window. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so they're, they're doing that. And I think they're going to merge those two. They're technically two separate units. So hopefully they unify the look of the facade. And as Eric was saying, there's a there's a effort to, to do that in Main Street is sort of unify the downtown. It's kind of an ebony and ivory theme. There. <laughs> yeah. Paul McCartney. And, it looks a little, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not in love with the way it looks now. I'm happy to see the renovation. So it's it's currently just a pretty plain building and it's all ripped up. Uh, it's going to be a shared office space on the first floor and the second floor of the building with associated storage in the basement. Uh, users will maintain a lease or membership with the Times Collaborative for use of offices, desks, meeting rooms, other shared office amenities. A small commercial kitchen. This is actually kind of neat. And I don't know how this ties in exactly because you're going to have office space and then also a small shared kitchen yeah, yeah. Uh, that they're going to use to test kitchen recipes for development and food science. Yeah, it's really cool. I'd heard that, you know, if people have like a product or something they want to test to see if there's commercial viability to it, yeah. or viability to it. Yeah. It's like they, they could potentially go there, which test it out. That's really cool. It's like, that's a cool business. Yeah, it's really, really cool. Like, so. I personally am not going to have any need for that. Yeah. But like, I, I would like to go on a tour of something like that. Sometime. I think you should invent good gluten-free bread, right? <sighs> <laughs> so they are going to change the uh, exterior, the front facade, and the rear egress there too. So hopefully it does, like, they clean it up and bring it up to the way that the rest of the place yeah. looks. Because downtown's yeah. looking nice. And then other things are going on at the flower bin. I know um, you noticed this. I noticed this. They were like kind of moving their pottery out and fountain stuff around and that little alcove. And okay. looks like they're going to expand the, the greenhouse section is what we think. Yeah. Or, so definitely, yeah. Uh, again, on the development site, they said extension of existing greenhouse structure into center of property. Yeah. Which uh, is where the fountains and the bird baths okay. and all that stuff is. Yeah. And I know that you were going nuts a couple times ago when we were talking about um, small greenhouses. Oh, yeah. Uh, local greenhouses. Yeah. And I, I really like going there. We, it's awesome. We spend so yeah. much money at the farm. Yeah, I know. It's like, um, and I look at, my, like, my yard and I think, okay, it's all attributed to the flower bin. A little bit of, like, 10 5% is... Uh, maybe another place like McGuckin's or Home Depot or Lowe's, yeah. but the majority is the flower bin. Yeah, I mean, if I need to buy stuff to build with, obviously I'm going to Home Depot. Yeah. But yeah. most of the time we go down. And I, you just go in there and it's like, look at all these herbs. I know. <laughs> I think I need some verbena. <laughs> there you go. God, you I really do. need you. Yeah, need yeah, like yeah. I'm trying to think what else is in there. And then it's like, well, we should get some oregano. And it's like, uh, which type? <laughs> Type of chamomile. You want German chamomile or do you want the Roman chamomile? It's absolutely crazy. Yeah, and my nasturtium. Is that right? Because I yep. said that wrong. Nasturtium, yeah. yeah. I've been yeah. saying nasturtium forever, but it's nasturtium. So you buy my seeds and do all that stuff down there and let them grow it. Well, those are great. You can eat the petals. and Yeah, you can eat all of it. Yeah, the whole thing is I great. actually really liked it because um, the seeds were used as an airsatz pepper during the war. Like they, they would grind yeah. those seeds up. Yeah, you nice. can eat the whole plant Yeah, uh, pretty well. Yeah. So awesome. I don't. You don't? <laughs> no, like I don't. <laughs> But you can. You okay. could, I, could, I could use it as pepper if I wanted to. All right. So then you've got the left-hand brewing event space. It looks like they've pulled some sort of permit or per, they're in permit yeah, yeah, process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This has started out too. So I'm wondering, I, I mean, if, if anybody knows more about this, by all means, uh, hit us up at info at 
side dish longmont.org. Yeah. And or, actually, we'll, I think we should effort to get a guest from Left Hand on here. That'd be just cool. Just to tell us Yeah, that'd be fun. It. Yeah, because this is... Who coincidentally happens to be named Eric as well. So. <laughs> Not fun. Eric as well, but Eric. I can't Eric, remember his Eric last name. as well. <laughs> no, it's... Yeah. No, we, we should probably get somebody on. Because Left Hand does do a lot of events in the community. So yeah, they've got a lot absolutely. going on. But what they're doing is down on uh, Boston Ave. So anybody basically knows where they're at on Boston Ave. I think this is the same address. It's 1245 Boston Ave. And it's on the south side of the road is where they have the tap room down there. Cool space. You to go there quite a bit before I knew, knew that I had um, sea leg disease. Yeah. Sea leg. Sea leg yeah. <laughs> sea leg Do disease. you take some crab with a K for that? Cra- crab with a K. Yeah. Yeah. Sea legs. That's right. Yeah, crab with- no. no, I can't. I can't have the fake crab. It's one of the <laughs> no-nos. A bummer. It's got. It's a bummer, yeah, it's man. got gluten as a filler. Yeah. Uh, so they've got a conditional use site plan application going for a, an event center expansion of the Left Hand Brewing Company and. What really struck me is that it's going to be 19,000 square feet of lawn space available for up to 1,500 people. So movies, weddings, and concerts. And I don't know if there's a need for that. I don't know if there's not. I'm not the guy doing Holy market research. Cow. I'm not wow. the guy running a, yeah. a multi-million dollar company. So I, yeah. I certainly don't have yeah. any, any knowledge of that. Yeah. So I'm interested to see what, what that looks like. That's a pretty big wedding with 19,000 square feet of lawn space. Yeah, 1,500 yeah. guests. Yeah. Ooh. A lot, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So there's definitely stuff happening. That's that's oh, yeah. a wild one. Um, Very cool. <clears throat> um, I and my wife and I actually partaked in Small Business Shopping Day and kind of went crazy. So we <laughs> went to uh, Adorn Home and Gift Gallery on Fourth Avenue, Sweet Nightingale Boutique and Home Decor on Main Street, and that is ooh, I don't have the address right here, but which one? Um, did you, what was that? Uh, Sweet Nightingale Boutique and Home Decor. I want to say four thirty one, something like that, Main Street. And then Rosalie's Pizza um, on 461 Main Street. And then Dryland Distilleries. Maybe not in that order, but went to Dryland Distilleries too as well. Yeah. Did you – well, the real question is did you, did you need to go to Dryland before you hit the other places? Yes, of course. Yeah. Because, yeah. cool. you know, I, only so much gift shopping can yeah. I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and plus, like, like okay. um, a lot of the boutiques on Main Street are not necessarily built for the – the, the the men of town? No, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, there aren't any clothing men's stores. No, not really. With the exception of the outdoor. Yeah, the outdoor place, Aloha, is, yeah. yeah, in that area. Like, yeah. they, and they've got some. Yeah. They're mostly focused. Yeah, but after a while, I, 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 I'm not a huge shopper. I used to be a huge shopper when I was like in high school and college, right. but I am not a huge shopper. So for me, it's like figure out what you want, get in, get out kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is funny when I just first, like, one of the first times I went shopping with Kelsey's family, her. Her dad wanted to buy a gift for um, Kelsey's sister, who was graduating college, maybe at the time. I can't yeah. remember. Yeah. And he just went in and said, like, uh, TV would be nice. I'm going to get this one. And I was like, whoa, what? Like, you didn't do any research? <laughs> you don't know? Like, you could get a better deal somewhere. He's like, I'm going to buy it. I'm going to go home. And it's like, well, yeah, you get a position in your life where sometimes, like, this is, a, this is fine. This is fine. <laughs> don't need a shop. Done. Just struck me. It's cool. Yeah. That's really so, cool. He, a man who knows what he wants. Yeah. Right? Just go get or it. Or spontaneous. It's like, fine. I'm getting this. It's good enough. For me, it's like research, figure yeah. it out. Yeah. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. I got to take like two, three months. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Why not? Weeks, days. All right. Anything else? We, we've got a special guest today. So yeah, um, we do. We'll, uh, we'll be back with uh, Kate Johnson here, the founder of The Art of Cheese. All right, and welcome back. We are joined with uh, Kate Johnson, the founder of The Art of Cheese, and I hope I'm getting the title correctly. You are the founder of Art of Cheese. We have been talking about you for weeks now. Oh, 
Yeah. Considering nice. the fact that we've been on for what four weeks, Week, weeks now, weeks now. <laughs> yeah. No, we're talking about you. Ever since we heard that you are like the master of cheese making in town, and in fact, people come from miles away to learn how to make cheese. Yeah. Well, I would say I'm probably the master of teaching cheese making oh, okay. in okay. town. Okay. Um, I think there's some other cheese makers in town that might <laughs> might yes, feel like I stand I'm corrected. not. Yes, Sorry. Exactly. Yes, yes. But I, but I am the place to go if you want to learn to make cheese okay. on your own. Yes. Well, then, how did you get started? Well, I got started totally accidentally. Um, my family lives on a little farm. I, in fact, I have a chapter in my new book called The Accidental Cheesemaker because um, we just started on a farm, oh, about 15 years ago. And we actually started with horses and I taught riding lessons and ran summer camps. And then we got a couple of dairy goats. And once those goats had babies and the babies were weaned, we had milk. And you have milk every day. You know, it just keeps wow. coming. Wow. And so you have to figure out something to do with all that milk. So I basically started making cheese just as a way to use up all this nice yeah. milk. And I was self-taught and not really planning to open a cheese-making school or anything <laughs> like that. But... Um, you know, it was inevitable, I guess. My background's in training and development. Teaching is really my most oh. favorite thing in the whole world besides goats and cheese. Um, and so I started just teaching, you know, at the rec center and at the senior center. And then I taught at Front Range Community College and the cheese importers and at breweries. And, you know, it just kept growing. It was this little hobby. And so over time, I got a little more training. I got some formal training from some Vermont cheese makers, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. went to San Francisco, took a course. And I took what I could find around here, but there wasn't a lot of cheese making classes being offered in this area. So yeah. after about three or four years of just doing it as a hobby, I decided to go pro. And, and so <laughs> we opened the Art of Cheese about five years ago. Okay. And um, it's just been a hoot. I gotta say, when you said accidental, I thought it was gonna be a different story. Yes, well, there is that too, right? <laughs> I always tell all my students, we've all made cheese accidentally yeah. at some point in our life. I just saw it like maybe there was, a, yeah. there was a dish of cat milk in the back of the fridge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what yeah. forgotten, and your husband's like, oh, cheese. Yeah, exactly. This is pretty good, honey. Yeah. Yeah, off to the no. races. No. No. That's yeah. a much better story. Yeah, yes, so then yeah. I, I see that through <clears throat> the materials that I found out about you, I mean, you were like going to different places, you were toting around a tub of stuff. Yeah. Yes. All these materials. So where are you now? Uh, currently well, so the now we are newly back to the farm. So we've moved around a bit. We started in some shared spaces downtown here. Actually, um, we were in a building that was rented by Tinker Mill when we first started. Um, just about a block from exactly. where we are right the, now. The gorgeous studios of K-Good. Yes. yes, and then um, moved to a uh, shared working space called Launch Longmont that was in the Times Call building. That was all in our first year. And that same year, Haystack Mountain Creamery built a new facility in town, and they actually invited us to move our cheesemaking school to their facility. Oh. So we were there for about three and a half years. But they combined their two facilities this spring, and we lost that teaching space. And so we went back to a shared space, actually went back to the Times Call building, which is now CoSolve. And that was fine and lovely, but it was a lot of setting up and breaking down and schlepping materials in and out of rooms and up the elevator to the dishwasher. And I just decided I'd like it to be easier. Yes, so we decided yes. to... Um, 
forsake our garage and turn it into a dedicated classroom space. So we've we totally remodeled it and put in a sink and dishwasher and tables and chairs and beautiful lighting and it's our dedicated teaching space. Now. And how many students can you? So usually at a time? I do about ten people in okay. the classroom. We've had some groups as big as seventeen or eighteen, but that's really pushing the size. It's only four hundred square feet, um, so it's very efficiently laid out. But it works well for a group of ten. We have little breakout stations. So people can do the hands-on parts. So and, um, what yeah. level were you teaching at? Just well, sort of a non sequitur here, I know, but I'm just thinking about the layout, and I so I taught preschool yeah. for a while. And I'm kind of like, what? I wonder what what like what level you were teaching at, because it really sounds like the the hands-on. Yeah. So you know, there's all different levels of cheese cheese making. I yeah. mean, some cheeses are incredibly simple to make, and some are a little more complex. Mm -hmm. um, and so we started out with the easy ones, and then you know you want more, and so you learn right. more. So um, but mostly I teach adults, so okay. as far as there's levels of cheeses and levels of students. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, I do, I do have kids that come to class sometimes, and we've done a few kids-only classes. But you can only imagine we, yeah. the sanitation. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, and there's a lot of talking, too, because a lot of cheesemaking isn't hands-on. You know, a right. lot of, I mean, a lot of it's really chemistry and microbiology, right. and you're waiting for yeah. something to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And so a lot of your information and learning is about that, that, but also understanding the milk itself. Right. A lot of people don't really have a real good understanding of milk, and you have to kind of understand milk to know which milk will work for which cheeses and why, what you might have to do differently. I mean, obviously, I have dairy animals, so I have farm fresh milk. But most of my students don't have dairy animals in their backyard. Um, and, you know, it's a little trickier. You can get fresh milk, but it's a little more work than going to the grocery store. So we often use grocery store milks, and, you know, they, they aren't all created equally. So you have to kind of mm -hmm. understand what you're shopping for and, and what to do if, if you can't get the very best milk possible. I need a primer on what. What makes good milk? Like, what's the difference between? Well, I'd say the number one thing is pasteurization mm -hmm. temperature. Mm -hmm. So, you know, here in Colorado, all of the milks you buy in the grocery store are pasteurized. Now, that's different in different states. In California, you can buy raw milk at some grocery really? stores. But here in Colorado, they're all pasteurized, but they're not all pasteurized at the same temperatures. So the two big differences, pasteurization and ultra-pasteurization. And ultra-pasteurization is, I, I often say it's ultra-high temperatures to ultra-damage yeah. the milk so that it will stay milk an ultra-long time. Yeah, and those are the like <clears throat> blocks of milk that you can store it. No. Well, yeah, There's those are even higher. But too, even yeah. just in your grocery, yeah. in the freezer, in the refrigerator, are ultra-pasteurized milks. I know when milks. I was in France, it was funny because we'd have milk yeah. for tea. And the, yeah. the woman yeah. that I was living with would buy these, these like brick-looking things. Yeah. And they would just be in the cupboard. Exactly. Just go get one. So those are really high temperatures. Yeah, yeah. But even in your refrigerator, there are some that are so high they won't work for cheese making. Oh, okay. So that's the number one thing. And then with cow's milk, you also have homogenization. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's other factors besides that. So, And then there's different species of milk, right? You have goat milk, cow milk. We don't have a good source of sheep milk locally. There mm -hmm. are some water buffalo in the state. I've actually just befriended somebody up in Carbondale with water buffalo. Think bu buffalo mozzarella. That's, oh. that's so I what I heard somebody is. in Colorado was making that. Yeah. I don't know where that was, but I heard a story on the news a while back. Yeah. So that, there's yeah. this guy up in um, Carbondale that's um, going to open a creamery, but he's just now kind of building his water buffalo herd, and we're going to do some collaborative that's, stuff together here that's soon. That's really good. 
Yeah. Because we, we lived in Germany for a year, and oh, one of our yeah. go-tos was at the at the Reva, the grocery store, you could buy these little balls of that, and it was like a euro or two. It was super cheap, and you would just mix it with peppers, and I can't remember what else, avocado, and then like olive oil and, and Italian seasoning. And we had it like yeah. two or three times a week. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and now it's like, mm-hmm. it's like eight bucks. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I just want to eat it all the time. Yeah. It's so super yeah. Good. yeah. Yeah. So those are just some of the examples of milk education. <laughs> so then I've heard, though, with goats that if you milk them near a male goat, it will produce an off smelly cheese. Yes, Is that there, true? Well, there are different things that will affect that, but even not necessarily milking them near them, if they were just housed running with the bucks during breeding ah. season, they're pretty stinky boys. <laughs> and um, and that affects the product then? Too, it really does. Yeah, and oh. you know, I can attest to this from firsthand experience. I used to buy milk before I had my goats were in milk. I bought milk from a, a dairy. And the milk always tasted great. And then one time I took a, one sip of the milk and I'm like, whew, this tastes like the buck. And so I called the guy and he's like, oh yeah, the buck jumped the fence. He was running with the does this week. I'm like, oh. ooh, I could taste it. <laughs> Um, but they're they're not always in they they go into rut like elk do yeah and so it's during that season which is late summer to about January so February. not all the time right that occur. but okay. and I do have a couple of bucks but they live on the opposite side of nice. the farm and they the does get together with them about 15 minutes a year and that's it <laughs> and so what is the most challenging thing or the le- I should say maybe more of a positive like what's the least appreciated thing that people think about when they think of goats like what are what are people missing out well on? It, it's actually a really funny thing because people will always ask you if your goats will eat anything. Do goats really eat tin mm-hmm. cans? Do they really eat anything? And the thing that surprises people the most is a well-fed dairy goat is probably the pickiest eater you will ever meet. They are divas. And they pick through their hay and just pick out the stuff they like. And then they drop the rest of it on the ground. And it's this huge amount of waste. And I would say every goat owner that I know complains about the wasted hay of these, especially dairy goats. And um, so you're constantly, you know, cleaning up this hay that you've spent a lot of money to give to them. And you're schlepping it, you know, in your truck and trailer. And then they just waste it. Um, So I have a couple of horses that will eat that hay that my goats won't eat. So I think that's that's both a surprise and it's also a bit of a myth, a headache. it sounds like. Yeah, yes. a bit of a headache too. Yeah, I would yeah. say they'll eat anything if you're not feeding them. Yeah. <laughs> but it, if they're a well-fed exactly. dairy goat, they're picky. <laughs> so then getting back to the cheese making, so like you do everything from say like a I remember I tried cheese making a while back, and it was like a, I think it was a lemon cheese right off the bat. Get some lemon juice, throw it in some milk, yeah. and wow, well, uh, lo and behold, you have some cheese. Yeah. So, yep. and then I think I got to about mozzarella, and then I was about done. Yeah, and yeah. And so what is the most difficult cheese that... Well, you know, it's kind of funny, because mozzarella, although that cheese itself is a fairly simple cheese, mm-hmm. the make of mozzarella has a lot of little tricky points along the way. Um, so that's actually our most popular class. Um, and it's tricky if you don't know all the little tricks. But once you know them, it's pretty fast and easy. But some of the hard cheeses just get more complex because you have a lot more time to yeah. wait until that cheese is ready to eat. And that period of time is called the affinage time or the aging time. And some of those techniques are a little, they're not 
tricky, but you have to pay attention. Yeah. You know, you can't just leave it and forget it. Yeah, it sounds like um, there's a, a long time to accidentally screw something up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And some of them are really variable. Like, I would say the Bloomy Rinds, which is like the Brie and Camemberts, mm -hmm. they're a really fun group of cheeses to make, but you have to really pay attention to them because they can age really fast mm -hmm. and or they can go slow, depending on the humidity level, both in your aging facility, but also in the cheese itself. Oh, wow. And so yeah. those just just require, I call it, you know, cheese babysitting. You have to, you have to check in on them regularly so they don't get into trouble. <laughs> so then, please, for our listeners, can you tell us your website address too, as well? Yeah, it's just theartofcheese.com. Okay, and then also you have a new book. I do. I missed so. your book signing. I saw you were over That's at the okay. St. Brain Cidery, yes. and that was pretty cool. We'll have a few yeah. more. Um, yeah. I, I teach at the Kitchen Company downtown here. Yeah. In yeah. fact, I'm teaching there tonight. And um, we're going to do a book signing there. And I have a couple others scheduled in the general area. But, yes, this is my, my, my first book about cheese. I have a couple of other books. I used to be a life coach, so I have some life coaching types of books. But this book is called Tiny Goat Big Cheese, A Farm-to-Table Hobby-to-Career Odyssey. So it's basically a memoir of kind of how I went from being a stay-at-home mom to running really essentially one of the busiest cheese-making schools in the country. Um, we've been told that by the New England Cheese-Making Supply Company who tracks home cheese-making schools they said yeah you offer the most classes of anyone we know um, wow, but anyhow amazing. so it's that story but it also has cheese recipes in it and it has goat keeping tips in it too yeah I don't yeah. need to mow the grass anymore well that's pretty neat then it it doesn't it sounds like it's more uh, again your personal journey and that sort of thing and probably lessons learned along the way and probably would help either entrepreneurs or people doing a small exactly. business as well. Exactly. Yeah, I, I kind of look at it as it's it's a little bit of entertainment, it's a little bit of education, and hopefully a little bit of inspiration so yeah. that people, you know, who think that they have an idea or a dream, but, oh, you know, I can't really do that, will maybe get inspired to try it. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, we really appreciate you being here. Is there anything else you'd like to add that we haven't asked you? Um, I guess the one thing I would just say is that I am starting to do cheese making in other places or teaching cheese making in other places besides here in Longmont, although this is where I do most of it. But um, for instance, this February, we are doing cheese making retreats in Hawaii. Yeah, that's Pretty not, that's tough That's not a gig. bad gig, yeah. Yes, yeah. so um, they're, they're just about sold out. I have two retreats, and so we have like, two spots left. I have one in Hawaii and in Aruba. And yeah, I have actually sleep. somebody that's asking me to go to Jamaica, and yes. I have somebody in Costa Rica that wants us to come down there. I so like this as a business I'm thinking That's pretty this cool. Pretty I need to get that gig. book and maybe think so, about this. Yeah. We go to the Tuscan yes. countryside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about doing a class in France. One of my students wants me to go to France with uh, them and do a class there. So just know that if you want to do some exotic locales we are kind of working on that you too take the but um tour mondial of cheese you could just that's right yes have the package tours for that uh, exactly. maybe there's another idea there you could do or like a cheese tour and go to gold key travel or something like that and have them yeah. do something yeah. with you and in conjunction with that that's really pretty yeah. cool. no charge yeah. for lots the of fun ideas. That we get. Yeah, oh, well, of thank you and we have no <laughs> sponsorships whatsoever either so no. but yeah i mean it's bad advice so i wouldn't follow it exactly. well kate thank you so much for being our guest well, thank today you. thank you and we look forward to hearing more about your wonderful endeavor. Great. Thank you. Well, we want to thank Kate Johnson for being us, uh, being us, not being yeah, us. No, for being she was herself, really, but being with <laughs> us today as the uh, founder of Art of Cheese. Um, yeah. Really amazing things going on in Longmont about 
cheese making and how yeah. she has brought that to the I forefront was, and elevated Longmont as the one of the cheese making capitals, if you will. Uh, yeah, like the the states, not just the. It's, I know. Yeah, because really she was cool. saying, yeah, that there's, it's like this is like the the place to go for. The, she does so many classes. It's like it's setting the standard for everybody else. And now she gets invited to like international cheese places and do cheese making in yeah. Hawaii and Jamaica and wherever else. That's oh, pretty darn cool. That is so, pretty cool. And then you know that gives it makes a good date night. You know, does. Do they do have classes? They so, do. you know, it's date night. People Could, can keep their hands to their towels. You can get, get, yeah. get you a Sandy house. You get your that's, grubby mitts to yourself. <laughs> so crack pots. You got crack pots. You got crack pots and you got, you know, cheese making. Yeah. Cheese making. Have clean, good fun for everybody, right? Well, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's my, microbial based, right? Yeah, that's true. You gotta Is it be, clean? Got to wash your hands a little bit. But anyway. All right. We have some events. Um, I'm leading off with a historic Hover Home Tour. Um, stroll down memory lane at the 2019 Historic Hover Home Holiday Tours. You know what? My memory doesn't reach far back enough to remember when this this uh, building was built, 1912. No. In fact, I would dare say that not too many people remember 1912. Well, you were born what? <laughs> year of the Prohibition, 1919? I was. Yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, elegant 6,000 square foot English Tudor Gothic Revival Home is the original home of Charles and Catherine Hover. Um, the farmhouse and agricultural building on this historic farm were built right around 1912. You can come and check out the decorations. It is decked out for the holiday season. The fee is $10 per person with children under six. Um, they are free. The tour fees provide for continued care and preservation of the Hover home. And again, Hover home is right near the intersection of 17th and Hover and just to the north of that. So it's a pretty big estate as in Longmont standards, and so it's a, a pretty neat little place to go check out and check out some of our history. Right by the scenic gas station right there at Hover. and That's the, Yeah, the 7-Eleven. And the yeah. Snarfs. Yeah, the yeah, Snarfs, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. All right, and you got uh, info about the Winter Farmer's Market? Yeah, the Winter Farmer Market. It's an inside event now, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So it's uh, the Saturday, December 7th and 8th, and I guess they kind of switch over from the standard Saturday-only model, mm -hmm. and now they go from 93, Saturday, Sunday, December 7th, December 8th, um, but they've got a little bit more uh, expanded uh, 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 goods, wares, stuff. Stuff. Yeah, yeah they got a lot some of, lot of crafts and things. meats and cheeses and other things. Yeah. Yeah. So pretty cool thing to do before the holidays to find vegetables, wine, coffee, delicious baked goods. Uh, grab a breakfast or lunch. Live music, uh, local art, candles, jewelry, photography, stationery. So it sounds kind of like a uh, steroid injected normal market. It is. And, yeah. you know, if you think about like a craft fair, kind of like Molly McGee's meets, yeah. you know, the farm to table movement. Yeah. You know, and they had a baby or something like that. So weird. Yeah, but well, that works. It's yeah. kind of a weird analogy. <laughs> but yeah. but you, you get the deal. Yeah. Or the gist. No, so. I like it. I think this this one could be fun because, like I said uh, last time, we did go to Molly McGee's and I was impressed. It was cool. Yeah. It was that's really cool. Some stuff. And you maybe pick up some holiday items there or holiday gifts. That'd be really pretty cool. Mm -hmm. I have the Holly and Ivy concert by the Air Force Academy Band, and that is Sunday, December 15th at 3 p.m. Um, they are going to be presenting this free concert at Vance Brand Civic Auditorium. You do need some tickets. They're available at Visit Longmont, 512 4th Avenue, and then the Longmont Area Chamber of Commerce at 528 Main Street. So um, look forward to, to hearing the uh, Air Force Academy Band and uh, Vance Brand Auditorium. For those of you who don't know, that is the auditorium that's at Skyline High School, and so Skyline is just on East Mountain View Avenue. You have info about the Greyhound Rescue. Yeah, so every month, the it looks like Colorado Greyhound Association, they just called it the CGA online, uh, volunteers and their hounds meet at specific locations to promote greyhound adoption and answer questions about the breed. 
Well, this would be your chance to see Greyhounds in person to find out more information about adoption. Um, when we first moved to, to Colorado, is when we first got our, our first dog. It's such a big dog culture out here. Yeah. Um, and we had said we're not really going to move around anymore. So we, we hit up the, the Hound Depot, went down to the... <laughs> Went down to the Longway Humane Society and found Layla as a puppy who was just adorable. And that started this uh, adventure that we're on. Um, and I, I'm a big fan of getting rescues if you're not looking for some yes. high-trained yes. um, hunting dog or something like that. And I know you can get greyhounds that have been abandoned by track owners or just greyhounds as a breed. is pretty cool because they can just be big couch potatoes. Um, they like to move like 30 minutes a day and then that's it. Yeah, I had a friend of mine who had a greyhound, and, you know, they have some issues with, you know, they got to stay warm because they got yeah. a very thin coat, so you had to yeah. put a coat on them in the, in the winter and the booties in and the stuff booties. like that. But probably the sweetest dog I've ever been around yeah. in my entire life. I mean, cool animals. Just kind of hang out. Uh, and I, I saw some at the dog park, and the, the guy who had it said the tagline for him was zero to 40 in four strides. Wow. And they take off like rockets. They are really fun to watch, and then they say, nope, I want to go home and watch TV. So anyway, PetSmart's having a thing on Saturday, December 7th from 10 a.m. to 12, and uh, like I said, they're going to do this to let you know about kind of what's going on with the breed and, and maybe give you an opportunity to tell you where to find um, some greyhounds uh, that you could rescue, nice. which I think is just a, a nice nice way to, to deal with Yeah. I yeah. have strong feelings about puppy mills then that they should not be a thing, so... So there we go. I think that's right. it. We're wrapping up for another week. Here. The, the outro music is, is kicking off here. So pretty amazing. Again. You know, that, that amazing engineering that is my fingers here. <laughs> um, we want to thank um, Andy Epler for our intro music, Nothing But the Rain. And then, as coincidence would have it, thanking Andy again for this song, My Final Hope. Um, information about Andy can be found in our show notes, and we'll have a link to his Instagram as well as its Etsy account, or Etsy account, Etsy. sorry. Etsy. Etsy, sorry, sounds like my dad. Etsy, buy a gift for the kids. Sounds like my dad. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you consume your podcast. Reach out to us at info at sidedishlongmont.org. And then please, uh, as a reminder, also send us your music, too. Thanks, thanks. Brady. Yeah, thanks, Eric. It was a good one. But I know what